Welcome to Truth for Transformation with Timothy Brown. Timothy is the lead pastor of Arden First Baptist Church in Arden, North Carolina. Our mission is to lead ordinary people into extraordinary life in Christ. We pray that today's message inspires you to live an extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. Check out our website for more inspiring resources, ardenfbc.com. Now, here's today's message from Pastor Timothy Brown. Good morning, church. How's everyone doing? Good. Good to see everybody here. I have some objects here. You'll, you'll find out what they're here for later. Anybody need a hammer? All right. Well, we want to welcome all of our first-time guests, and we just want to say welcome home. I'm Timothy. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad you're here. Welcome to those watching online. Uh, it's just such an incredible time to worship together. We are doing a series called Holy Habits, and if you came today first-time guests, you're here not by coincidence, but by providence, because today we're going to talk about the power of the Word of God. And uh, this message has the power to change your life, so I'm excited you came today. Let's pray, prepare our hearts for the word. Father, we thank you so much that we, we're here in your presence and that we can worship you. God, thank you so much for each person that came out today, that they can hear a word from you and just receive encouragement, Lord. So Father, we ask and pray that your blessing would be upon this time, that you would bless each person, that... They would leave here not just informed, but transformed through the power of your word and through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever had a week that felt like a war zone? Ever been there? And you're like, how do you know if it's a war zone? Well, it's a war zone if you have more proverbial bullets flying above your head than you can count. It's a war zone when sometimes you ever don't want to get out of bed to go to work. Anybody ever been there? You just want to stay in bed? And we cope in different ways. Some of us cope with binge eating. You want a little more food, another trip to Dairy Queen. You want that Reese Blizzard. Anybody else like the Reese Blizzard? For some of you, it's not binge eating, but it's binge watching. It's another series on Netflix. Another rerun of something that gives you comfort. For others of you, it's not food, it's not television, but it's shopping. How many shoppers do we have out here? Get the credit card. You get your spouse's card and uh, you're like, honey, I'm just going to get a few items and a few thousand dollars later, you might be in a war zone. And I just want to tell you today that you're either in a war zone, you're leaving a war zone, or you're getting ready to go into another one. So what I want to do today is give you encouragement that all of the answers are found in God's word. And that today you're going to receive some encouragement that it, this, this message truly has the power to change your life. Because whatever you're going through, God's word has an answer. And can I be a little real today? Is that okay in church? To be a little honest? They say confession is good for the soul. So underneath this outfit, you guys don't know, but there's a secret under this outfit. James Heatherly, um, I have something under this outfit. I'm wearing camo. Now, I was going to wear camo to preach in, but my mom and my wife intervened. They said, Timothy, there's going to be a first-time guest, and they see you preaching in camo. They're like, I'm not coming back to that church again because your pastor's crazy. So um, I'm just going to show you. I wore camo underneath, so um, I'm not going to strip down, so don't worry. But underneath, I have camo. 
And here's the reason why every day you wake up, you enter into a spiritual battle. Every day is a spiritual warfare. And some of you may not be aware of it, but you're on the enemy's top list. You're on his target list and he wants to take you out. He wants to discourage you. So here's the thing. You need to wake up each day with spiritual camo. The Bible talks about the word of God that you should put on the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word. Let's make sure. Did I miss a button, Lori? Is it? All right. One more button. All right. She's like, thank God you didn't wear camo. But so here's the thing. We're to take on the full armor of God. And it's like the helmet protects her mind because you're going to need clear thinking and warfare. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, is your only really major weapon in the warfare. The shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth and the gospel shoes of peace. So what I want to do is take you in a navigation through God's word. The best way to understand God's word is by using God's word. And God's word has a lot to say about itself. So today we're going to focus on really one or two primary verses, but what we're going to do is take a journey. What does the Bible say about itself? Like, what is the intended purpose of the scriptures? So we're going to be in Jeremiah 23, verse 29. And as you turn there, I just want to kind of paint the context of Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23 is about a bunch of false prophets who say, peace, peace, when there is no peace. And they're speaking visions that weren't from God. And God is going to basically use Jeremiah to say, this is my word. This is the true word of God. Here's what it looks like. Here's what it feels like. Here's the effects. Whereas false prophets, their words amount to nothing. The word of God has the power to change lives. And I just want you to know, if you're a visitor here, Arden, we believe in all 66 books of the Bible. We believe every word is inspired by God. And that's why generally we go verse by verse through books of the Bible, because we want you guys to understand the, the paramount importance of the word. So let's just look at Jeremiah twenty three twenty nine. This will frame our message for today. It says, does not my word burn like fire? Someone say fire. Says the Lord. And is it not like a mighty hammer? Someone say hammer. That smashes a rock to pieces. So today we continue in our series, Holy Habits. Last week, if you missed it, I encourage you to look it up online. We talked about worship. Today is holy habit number two is Bible study. And today I have three simple points that if you apply it, it's going to change your life, not just today and tomorrow, but it's going to change the rest of your life. So the first point is this concerning the word of God. God's word is purifying like a blazing fire. Notice the prophet says, does not my word burn like fire, says the Lord. So kind of get your mind set on fire. I was going to tell you what I was going to do. I was going to bring a blacksmith into church and have him or her sitting on stage. And then I began to research and think through that you can't have all the fumes in an enclosed building. Any blacksmiths out there? So it was a good idea, but it would have the fire department called on us. So instead, I have a little video. Let's play the blacksmith video.
All right. That's kind of cool, huh? You know, people have said church is designed more for women. Well, there you go, guys. And some of the ladies like it, too. So when you think about fire, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of something that gets your attention. As a child, I would love to set it on fire because I would see the different layers of color, the yellows and the oranges and the dark blues. I would love to sit around fire because of the heat. And of course, as a child, and even now as a grown-up child, my wife's saying amen, I love marshmallows over the fire. But what is the Bible, when, it, when the scripture says God's words like a fire, what does that actually mean? Well, I think we have to go through the scriptures to understand the imagery of fire. One aspect of fire is fire is a symbol for the presence of God. When you look through the scriptures, God revealed himself to Moses. If you look on your listening guide, I have these listed for you, so you don't have to flip through the Bible. It would take a lot, long time to find all these references. But Exodus 3, verse 2, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire. So here's the thing. God spoke out of this burning bush, got Moses' attention. The fire grabbed his attention, and God spoke to him. So it was a symbol of God's presence. And then you fast forward to Exodus 13, God led the children of Israel by day in a pillar of cloud, and by night it was a pillar of what? It was a pillar of fire. So the fire symbolized the presence of God. Everywhere that pillar of fire went, the the children of Israel followed. Fast forward to the New Testament in Matthew 13, John the Baptist is speaking, and he says, there's someone coming after me who's mightier than I, His sandals I'm not even worthy to carry. I baptize you with water unto repentance, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. What does it mean that Jesus was going to baptize us with fire? Uh, One aspect is it's the presence of the Holy Spirit moves inside of us when we become a believer. Fast forward to the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. They were all gathered together in one place. And here's what happens They were one accord in one place and suddenly, someone say suddenly, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind. And then it says, look what happens next. It filled the whole house where they were sitting and there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and set upon each other. So you see fire as a presence of God. So when scriptures say about the Bible itself, my word is like fire. Who said you get to play with fire in church today? Kind of cool. What that's saying is when you read the scriptures, God's presence can be felt. Because what God does is he takes the word of God and illuminates it with the spirit of God. And that's why the Bible is not only the book that when you read it, it's the only book that's also reading you. When you read it, it reads you and you get into it and you're like, wow, it's almost like looking in a mirror when you read the Bible. You're like, wow, think about that. And the presence of God just begins to speak to you. In one of my Bible studies, I lead one of the gentlemen there said, Timothy, I've never heard God speak to me my whole life. And he was very you know, smart guy. He was a doctor. And I said, have you ever read the Bible? And he said, well, yeah. Well, every time you read the Bible, guess what? That's God speaking because the Bible's God's word. And Gabriel, sitting on the front row, he's very smart. He said, Timothy, the words in red, the words of Jesus are God's words. And I said, you're right, but the words in black are also God's word too. Every word on every page is inspired. 
It's the presence of God's word found in the pages. And not only is it the presence of God as a symbol, but you see fire is the instrument of purification. In Zechariah 13.9, it says, I will bring out that group through the fire and make them pure. So here's the idea. God's word, it speaks to us. We feel the presence of the Holy Spirit as we read God's word. But then the fire, it purifies us. And it begins to change us. And we're like, wow, God, your word is so powerful. And I, I see my life changing before me. Proverbs 17.3 says, Fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but the Lord tests the heart. So it's saying that just like you refine gold and silver purified through fire, God takes the fire of his word. Is not my word like fire? You sense God's presence and then... It begins to purify you. Growing up, I used to hear pastors say, the Bible will keep you from sin and sin will keep you from the Bible. And I'm like, what is, what is that talking about? The idea is that if I get into the word, I'm less prone to sin because the fire of the words setting my heart on fire and I, I want to run from sin. But if I'm in sin, I don't want to get around the word because guess what? The fire is convicting. The fire is purifying the fire is testing me. And then we have 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It says, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you've had to suffer grief in all types of trials. Anybody in a, in a fire, in a storm, in a war? Some of you have had deaths in your family. Some of you have had spouses walk out on you. Some of you, you, you cry yourself to sleep at night. Some of you, if we only knew what you're going through, we would just just want to hug you and spend time with you because the fire you're going through it and it's hurtful and it's it's painful. But when you when you get into the word of God, look what happens. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith. Notice what happens. It's of greater worth than what gold, even though refined by fire. So when the prophet says, my word is like fire, it's saying that in God's word, we sense the presence. Now, listen, you can read a lot of books. The Bible is the only book that's inspired by God completely, right? It's the only book. And then you, you see like, wow, this fire, as I read the word, it's purifying, it's changing my character. But there's another aspect. The Bible we sense the, the active work of the Holy Spirit. In First Thessalonians, Paul gives us this command, don't quench the Spirit. In other words, don't put out the Spirit's fire. What does that mean? Have you ever been in a church where God was moving, but it kind of crossed them on the wrong way, and they're like, we can't do it that way, or we can't? You ever been there? And what, what, what the Bible says, when God is moving, we can't try to put a blanket upon fire. Because when you put a blanket on fire, what happens? It burns it up. What we got to do is allow God to change us and mold us through his word. So going back to, is not my word like fire? In the fire, I sense God's presence. In the fire, I am purified. But in the fire, I realize the activity of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to try to quench the fire. But there's a second truth today I want to give to you. God's word is not only like a fire, but it's like a mighty hammer. 
One of my props over here is a hammer. How many of you guys and girls like hammers? How many of you are not very good with them? You end up hitting something, making your finger black. All right, so get your mindset on hammers. And you ladies hopefully like this. All of you guys are going to love this. All right, let's watch this, these hammers right here. Yes. That is cool. That is cool. So notice the Isaiah, what he says, is not my word like a fire and like a hammer that breaks the rock. So here's the thing. A rock is kind of hard to break, right? You notice I'm having a hard time breaking it. But the Bible is like a hammer. And you ask yourself, in what ways is the Bible like a hammer? Like, don't hammers... Drive down nails, don't hammers change things, don't hammers use for construction. So let's, let's look at in scripture what a hammer represents. Some, some of these references may surprise you, but one of the uses of a hammer, it represents might and power. So there's a story of jail in Judges 4. Let's go ahead and throw the picture up here. I can pretty much guarantee that majority of you never heard this in Sunday school. Has anybody ever heard a kid's lesson on jail? All right, here's the reason why. This is a crazy story. It's in the Bible, Judges 4. The armies of Israel were under attack. There's always enemy armies. And one of the enemies of Israel was fleeing. And he happened to go into a tent, or he was getting ready to go into a tent, this lady named Jael. And she's like, come on inside. This is the Timothy Brown paraphrase version. Come on inside. And she had him come inside. I'll protect you. I'll make sure no one comes to kill you. So she gives him a glass of milk. Gives him a blanket. I mean, think about comforting milk and a blanket. It makes me want to sleep right now. So he goes to sleep on the floor of her tent. And the Bible says she took a tent peg and she did this. And guess what? He died. End of story. That's actually a story in the Bible. How many of you have heard that story in the Bible? All right. So, so here's the thing. It's a symbol of power and might. In 2 Corinthians 10, talking about the warfare... It says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We don't wage war as the world wages. But notice we've, we don't fight with the weapons of the world. On the contrary, it says the weapons that we fight, what do they do? They demolish strongholds. They break down the strongholds of the enemy. And it says we take every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of Christ and take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So when you think about the word being a hammer, what it does is if you have things that don't line up with God's will for your life, the hammer strikes. And a lot of times, I can't speak for you, but at least for me, and if there's times where I don't want to get into the word, it's because there's a sin issue. And I know when I get into the word, I'll feel this. Ow! You ever been there? You ever hear the preacher speak on something you're dealing with and you're like... And I've had people come up to me and say, how did you know? Like, are you read my Facebook profile? Are you reading? I'm like... It's not me, it's the hammer. It's the word of God that just, ow. But here's the thing, God is a gracious God. And the only reason why he uses the hammer is not just for deconstruction, it's reconstruction. When God wants you to get rid of something, it's because he has something far better to replace it with. Amen? So when the hammer is used, 
It's for your own good. It's not God's some kind of cosmic killjoy that's trying to take away your fun. No, it's God's a loving Savior. He's a loving Father. And when you feel the hammer, it's because there's something that he wants to change. You ever met anybody that had a hard heart? Some of you are like hitting your spouse right now. Like you try to talk to him or her and it just feels like this. You try to say something, but it's like it's not getting through. Let's throw the Ezekiel passage up. The word of God like a hammer. Here's what God does with this. In Ezekiel, go ahead and throw the Ezekiel passage up. Ezekiel 36. I will give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. So for those of you who are hard hearted, you need to ask for a heart transplant. And you're like, what's a heart transplant? The heart transplant is when you give your heart to Jesus, he takes away that hard heart. And you're like, well, how does that happen? It's the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. So here's the thing. There's been people that say, well, I just I'm just going to try to live a good example from him. And I'm never going to share the gospel. Listen, the power is not so much in your life. Your life is a testimony pointing to Christ. None of us are perfect. So you can't get saved by my testimony alone. My testimony gives me an opportunity to share Christ with you. It's been said, witness wherever you go, using words only when necessary. I don't believe that because the Bible says we're to go out and proclaim the good news to every creation. You're to live the witness, but then when the time comes, the word of God, it's the hammer that breaks the hard heart. So it's not so much in the messenger, how gifted or charismatic he or she may be. And all of you have your favorite speakers. That's fine. That's preference. The power is not in the messenger. It's in the word of God. The word of God is the hammer. It breaks the hard heart. And the thing about it is even after you become a Christian, even though God gives you a new heart, Paul says, you know, there's certain things I don't want to do. I end up doing and the things I want to do, I don't do. This is Romans seven. So even after you become a Christian, you still have the old nature in the Greek. It's sarks, S-A-R-X. You still have the sarks and there's a battle between the flesh and the spirit And what happens is whichever one you feed the most is going to be the one that wins. So if I'm a Christian and I don't really spend time in the word, I don't really spend time with God's people. Guess what's going to happen? The flesh is going to be stronger. But if I'm in the word and all of a sudden God just keeps on working on my heart, I want you to think about not this as so much as deconstruction as also reconstruction. God is doing a work. You know, God created the entire world that we see in how many days? Six days and rest of the seventh. How come God's taken so long to recreate you? You ever think about that? I mean, he he spoke the world into existence, but man, it's taken him a long time on you and on me. And that's why we need, that's why we need the hammer of the word of God. We often don't talk about it. We love to see Jesus as this sweet little Jesus, but we've got to realize Jesus is a warrior. Jesus is a warrior and he takes his word and he begins to shape us just like that blacksmith shapes and molds that piece of rock. So how do we overcome these areas in our life? How do we how do we overcome areas of struggle? Some of us struggle with anxiety. Some of you struggle with depression. 
What you try to do is try to memorize God's word in the very areas that you struggle with. What about if I have an area of sin or addiction? The very areas where you're struggling, you commit to memory to God's word. Psalm 119, 105, quote, if you know it, thy word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against you. So I asked Noel to come up on stage. Noel, come on up here. Everyone say hello, Noel. Noel is in the second grade. Third grade, I'm sorry, I got it. What? <laughs> I thought you were like your camo showing or something. All right. So Noel's in third grade. I'm sorry, I slipped up. Second grade is last year. Third grade. And Lori has been, she's been a really good pastor's wife. She's like, Timothy, we got to memorize scripture more. You know, just preaching, memorizing that's not, I mean, we got to do it personally, devotionally. One of the temptations of a pastor is, a, hey, I read the Bible all the time. Right. That's good enough for quiet time, scripture, memory. And the answer is, mm, no, you got to do it personally, not just for for for, you, you know, the church benefit. So we're going to turn on this mic over here. Yellow mic sound, guys. Yellow mic. Um, we've been trying to memorize Psalm 34 as a family. My wife's encouraged. I'm being honest. We were slacking as a family. And my wife's like, hey, we got to get back. Right. So we just been, what, two weeks now, something like that, Psalm 34. So Noelle's going to, she hasn't memorized the entire psalm, but she's going to demonstrate that even a third grader, if a third grader can do it, that leaves the rest of us without an excuse. All right, let's see how, Psalm 34. Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. um, I will magnify the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. The... The... (laughs) Um, oh, magnify the Lord with me. All right. She's good. All right. So I brought that not not to shame anyone, but to inspire us that if a third grader can memorize God's word, the rest of us. Right. We can. And I want you to see the Bible is purifying like a fire, but it's powerful like a hammer. And the more we get into God's word, the more we fall in love with it, the more it changes us, the more it transforms us. So I want to read to you uh, something from this came out of the back of evangelist Billy Sunday. I mean, ever heard of Billy Sunday, famous evangelist. After he died, they found his Bible. And this is what was written on a page in his Bible. I think it's beautiful. 29 years ago, with the Holy Spirit as my guide, I entered at the portico of Genesis. I walked down the corridor of the Old Testament art galleries where I saw pictures of Noah and Abraham, Moses, Joseph, Isaac, Jacob and Daniel. They were hung all on the wall. I passed into the music room of the Psalms where the spirit sweeps the keyboard of nature until it seems that every reed and pipe of God's great organ responds to the harp of David, the sweet psalmist of Israel. I entered into the chamber of Ecclesiastes where I heard the voice of the preacher And then I went into the conservatory of Sharon and the lily of the valley where sweet spices filled and perfumed my life. 
I entered into the business office of Proverbs and I sat in the observatory of the prophets where I saw telescopes of various sizes. They were pointing off to far off events in the future concerning the bright and morning star, which is to rise above the moonlit hills of Judea for our salvation and redemption. I then entered into the audience room of the king of kings, catching a vision written by Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Thence into the corresponding room with Peter, Paul, James and John writing the epistles. And then I stepped into the throne room of the book of Revelation, where a tower that the glittering peaks and upon this peak sits the king of kings upon his throne of glory with healing of nations in his hand. And I cried out all hell, the power of Jesus name, let angels prostrate fall, bring forth the royal diadem and crown him. Lord of all. So see, as you get into the scriptures, you realize that the fire, even though it's hot, even though it's purifying, it gives you a clean vision. And even though the hammer at times, it may hurt, would you rather have a hard heart or a soft heart? Would you rather be stubborn and obnoxious or tender and responsive? How many of you want to be stubborn? Raise your hand. said nobody, right? Stop hitting your spouse. I can see it. So what I want to do is just give some action steps before we go to our last point. Is I want to challenge you to make it a daily practice starting today of reading God's word every day. This is something I did when I was 14. I wish I would have started at Noel's age or younger. But I remember at 14 saying, God, every single day I'm going to at least read a verse. And to my knowledge, unless I missed a moment, I've kept that for the past I'm 40 now, so I do the math, 26 years. And part of the reason why I'm standing up to you today is, number one, the grace of God, but number two, the commitment I made when I was 14. And there have been times I remember sitting in a hotel room when my family was on vacation, and in all the traveling, I realized, oh my goodness, I have not read the Bible today. And the, the, the Spirit convicted me. So I remember everyone is out sleep. The Gideon Bible was uh, removed. because you know, So I started quoting the Scripture, like Psalms I had memorized, so I would keep that commitment. And just recently, I had a child that was 105 degree temperature, a lot of stuff happening. And I remember looking at my Bible app the next day and it said one missed day. And I'm like, did I not read the Bible yesterday? And I remember like panicking and I realized it was just a glitch on the Bible. I had read it, but it was just that I just I want to keep and it's not a legalism thing. It's not you have to do it. It's why would I not want to do it? I get to enter into the courtroom of the king of kings. I get to hear his word every day. I get to talk to him and he to me. And it's not something I have to do. It's something I delight in doing. Because every time you open the word, you feel the heat of the fire. And sometimes it is purifying and you feel God's presence. And other times it's you're delighting by the fire and you're warming yourself by the fire. And you... And the spirit in, in communion, it's almost like you're roasting s'mores. It's like the heat. Sometimes it's painful and other times it's, it's very pleasurable. And then you feel the hammer of the word. It hurts. But then you begin to hear people say, I've noticed a change in you. Timothy used to be stubborn, hard-hearted. No one say amen. Rebellious, a jerk. But you, you're changing. You're changing. And even though the strokes of the hammer hurt at the time... You can see the changed. I'm not the person I used to be, and I'm not the person I'm going to be. 
And if you don't like me now, guess what? He's still working on me. The, the hammer is chiseling at me every day. And it's like that, it's like that blacksmith. The heat gets hot sometimes, but when you see what emerges, you see the beautiful objects that emerge, it's transformative. All right, the last point. The Word of God is a lamp that illuminates your daily steps. So, let's throw up the psalm. Your Word is a what? A lamp. So we've got to talk about lighting. How many of you enjoy lights? You know, I'm the type, I like all the rooms on the light. Some of you like it a little dim. That's okay. You know, like, let's have a laid back, subdued. I, I'm just, I, I like bright lights everywhere. So here's the thing about lights. When you're driving in your car, the car lights, they shine pretty far, right? When your flashlight, it shines pretty far. But you've got to go back to the biblical imagery of a lamp. Think about not a modern lamp, but an old school lamp. It would generally only provide enough light to take the next step or two. So when it says your word is a lamp unto my feet, the idea is not like a car light, not like a laser, not like a bright flashlight. It's like, God, I don't know what you want me to do. You know, I'm single and this guy wants to ask me out. Should I do it? And then all of a sudden you hold the light and you read scriptures concerning someone's character and integrity. Okay, God, I I feel like I'm transitioning my job. What should I do? And then you read, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You ask in all these things, acknowledge me in all your ways and I will direct your path. And all of a sudden, I can't see all the way down the road, but I can see the next step and the next step and the next step and the next step. So I encourage you, the Bible is relevant for every aspect of your life. If you'll just get into it, the word will fill you. And through the power of the word and the presence of the Holy Spirit, you will have enough light to take the next step and the next step and the next step. Isn't that beautiful? Your word is a lamp. So I want to get very practical. I want to get very practical with you guys here. Uh, how do we apply this? How do we memorize the word? If you look on your listening guide, there's a resource from the navigators. Uh, they're very practical and relevant about how to memorize the word. There's basically four steps that they lay out. And I'll just cover this very briefly. A lot of people are like, well, how do you know, I see your third grader memorized? How do you do it? Number one, you've got to pick an area that interests you. Pick a passage that burns on your heart. Number two, dig into the context. What is this passage talking about? What's the context? What does the verse say before or after? Memorize into bite-sized pieces. How do you eat an elephant? Someone tell me. One bite at a time. So just get into it slowly and then review. Talk to friends. Memorize as a group. All right, it brings the question. How many of you have ever said, I just don't understand the Bible? Anybody ever? I just, I don't get it, right? A lot of us. So this is a very practical Let's go ahead and throw the sword up here. The Bible is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is called the sword method. Anybody ever heard of this? All right. I've got some Fruitland students understand the sword method. Amen. That's good. So the sword method is as you read the scripture, the tip, where does the tip point toward? There you go. It points towards God. So when you read a passage, here's the question. What does this passage say about God? See, some of us, if we're not, if we're not careful, we can have a, Narcissus, we like read ourselves into every verse, right? The Bible is not primarily about you. It's about Jesus and his story. He's the star. You're not. So first of all, God, what does this say about you? And then what can I learn about myself? God, you're, you're the star of the story, but what can I learn about myself? That's the handle. It points back to you. And then the third question, is there an example to follow? Is there a command to obey? 
So basically, this helps you illuminate. As you read a passage, you may not fully understand it, but like, okay, God, what does this teach me about you? Take a step. What does this tell me about myself? Is there something I need to do? Is there a sin I need to repent of? That's, that's very simple. So if you do that with every passage, guess what? You're going to start to understand it more and more. Now, confession. There's a lot of passages I don't understand, even after years of studying. There's passages in Hebrew and Revelation. I mean, you can write Revelation. I'm still trying to figure it out, and that's okay. But majority of it, it's pretty easy to understand. Even a child can, childlike faith. Some of us get tripped up on a few passages, so we remove from the Bible. But no, don't, don't skip it. Just work through it, and in time, God will show to you. All right, look on your listening guide. I want to briefly go over a few resources, because we don't want to just say, get into the Word of God and pray and he will show you and it's like okay a monday uh, i have add and i you ever been there it's easy someone to preach it another thing to live it so what we want to do is give you resources look at the person next to the resources all right first resource is the uversion bible app how many of you have a smartphone this is a free download i want to encourage you, if you haven't downloaded it, go ahead and download it and add as your church arden first baptist we're on you version here's the cool thing we have reading plans for you we have devotionals and we upload the sermon notes before sunday so you can actually get a preview of what we're going to talk about isn't that cool the entire sermon's on there every week before you come so that'll kind of get you ready and we're reading through the whole bible together as a group it's not too late to join we're doing a bible and two-year plan you can join anytime comment just add us it's right there all right, second resource, how many of you know about Right Now Media? All right, only a few. The church pays for this on your behalf. What it is, it's a collection kind of like Netflix of everything Christian-based films and Bible studies. I think it's like 14,000 videos, and it's free. The church pays for it. All you have to do is go on the church website, click on Media, sign up on Right Now Media. My kids love it, right, right children? Noel, Gabriel? There's a kid's channel that's got several hundred kids' videos. There's a dad channel, a mom channel, a husband channel, a wife channel, senior adult channel. There's over 14,000 videos. So it can, like, ton of Bible study. So that's important. Another resource is BibleGateway.com. How many of you ever used Bible Gateway? Different translations. There's commentaries. There's study Bibles. It's really good. All right, the church has a podcast. So if you're like, I want to understand how to read the Bible We've preached through the book of Acts for, what, a year and a half, two years? That's on the podcast. It's on Apple. So if you have a smartphone podcast, type in Arden First Baptist, subscribe, and it will keep you enough, enough resources to keep you going a long time. All right? So let's talk about Bibles. Sometimes people say, what is the best study Bible? I, I want to understand it. Sometimes I get tripped up on a verse. There's many good study Bibles out there. My favorite is the Thomas Nelson New King James Complete Study Bible. It's got 10,000 study notes. And I remember sitting in seminary with all my Fruitland guys. The professor would be talking, and I had my study Bible there. And often the study Bible would have better content than the professor. I'm sorry, professor, but it was the reality. So I, it's like if you read the entire Bible with the study notes, it's almost like you have a seminary education. That's how in-depth it is. So that's, they have that available. You can get it at most Christian bookstore, but make sure it's the complete edition, 10,000 study notes. It's a really good resource. Is this helpful so far? All right, so what about if you're on a passage and it's kind of hard to understand? One easy thing is to find good Bible teachers on YouTube. So I'm going to mention a few. Skip Isaac is a good one. He goes verse by verse. He's been in it for, I guess, 40 years. How many of you have heard Skip Isaac before? Great Bible teacher. Um, Gary Hamrick, he's in D.C., another Bible teacher. David Guzik, 
is another. Some of you may never heard of these guys, but what you do is YouTube. For example, you type in Skip Isaac. Let's say you're on Acts 2, Acts 2, and he's got a whole chapter on it. And you can listen while you're in your car. And it's just so good. I know Jim and Jamie do this a lot. Listen to YouTube preaching. Make sure it's a solid Bible teacher. So those are some things. Uh, another aspect is a prayer journal. By a show of hands, how many of you have ever kept a prayer journal at one time in your life? I'm not too good at it. My wife's really good at when she has insights like Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continue to be in my mouth. She gave me this devotional thought in a prayer journal. She said, if you're continually praising God, you don't have time to complain. You don't have time to be critical because your focus is on who? The Lord, not the problems or whatever. So thank you, baby. That was a, that was a good, good, good thing. So these are just some resources I want you guys just to take with you and think through. All right, one story, and we're through. I know we're out of time. Is there, there's a founder of Alpha? How many of you have heard of Alpha Curriculum? Uh, Nikki uh, Nikki is the the founder. His last name. Make sure I get his last name right. It's the founder of Alpha. Is uh, his name is Nikki, and um, basically he his father died, and he was really discouraged, and he was just kind of reading through his Bible. Uh, Nikki Gumbel is his last name. I'm sorry, I couldn't remember his last name, but his father had died, and he didn't know whether his dad was saved or not, and so he started reading his Bible, and God took him to Romans 10. 13, it says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And in that moment, the spirit spoke to him and said, your dad did that. And he's like, how do I know if this is God, if this is just my own inner voice? And he, he wasn't sure. Five minutes later, his wife called him and said, you won't believe this, honey, but I was reading in Acts chapter 2, verse 21, a different passage. And it says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And Nikki's just like, wow, that verse is only mentioned in two passages. And how interesting that I read it. God spoke to me. My wife read it. Five minutes later, spoke to me. And so three days later, he was at a Bible study. And guess what the passage was on? Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So he's talking to a spiritual mentor. And his mentor said, do you think God may be trying to tell you something? The spirit speaks through the word. And the word reveals to us what God is trying to say. So here's here's the practical application. The Bible's relevant for everyday life. And if you will just get in the word and you will listen to the spirit, because here's the thing, we need the spirit and the word. Sometimes we read the Bible, but we're not tapped into the presence of the Holy Spirit and it becomes legalism and rigid, right? But when you have the spirit and the word, something amazing happens. It's like the Bible becomes like 3D. It becomes like, wow, this is so amazing. So I just want to encourage you, holy habit number two is Bible study. So let's summarize the three points. Let's throw the three points up here just to summarize. The Bible is purifying like a blazing. So I want you guys to remember that fire. It's purifying like a blazing fire. It's powerful like what? Ow! And it's illuminating like a what? It's illuminating like a light. So let's summarize it in one sentence. Let's throw the big idea on the screen. If you, we, I know we covered a lot of verses, and if you forget everything, just remember this one big idea. God's word is purifying like a, powerful like a, and illuminating like a. So how do we apply this? Because it's so easy Monday when you're at office and your boss is stressing you out. Tuesday when your kids and grandkids are sometimes... My kids never drive me crazy, right? But some of them do. My kids are great, right, kids? They're like, we know. 
Okay, three actions. And I, I want you guys to just to really put this into practice. Number one is to commit to a daily study of the scriptures. If you're not doing it, this is not a legalism workspace. We're saved by grace alone. But listen, why would you not get into God's word daily? So I encourage you to think through the commitment because you don't want to make a commitment, not keep it. But really think through. And if it's a commitment you want to make sometime today, like I did when I was 14, God, I'm going to do my best to at least read one verse a day to get into your word. I don't want to go one day without your word. Second action step is treasure the word in your heart. Now, that may look like some of you may want, may want to memorize Psalm 34 with me, or whatever passage you want to pick. Just get into God's word. Let it, let, it, let it be your treasure because the fire and the hammer and the light will change your life. And finally, practice the put-off, put-on method. What is that? For whatever your struggle is, you find out where the Bible talks about that struggle. Memorize a verse and you replace a vice with a virtue. So the Bible says, instead of stealing, become a giver. Instead of lying, become a truth teller. Nature abhors a vacuum. You can't just stop doing something. You have to replace it. So instead of just stopping doing something you don't want to do, replace it with what the Bible says as the alternative. Amen. So let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. It doesn't matter how good or not good the speaker is today how gifted or not gifted the speaker is. What matters is the word of God. It's blazing. It's, it's, a, it's a fire. It's a hammer. It's a light. And God, on the initial side, a hammer hurts. A fire burns. But Lord, when we come on the other side, we see ourselves purified like gold. We see that stubborn heart is now soft and responsive. So right now, I just want everyone to pray. Let your seat be your sanctuary. No looking around. I want to talk to the believers. How many of you would say, Timothy, like yourself, I need to do a better job getting into God's word. I need to spend more time treasuring it, not neglecting it. That's you. I want you to raise your hand. No legalism, no condemnation, but inspiration. Okay. God sees those hands. God, we want to get into your word. Please help us. Please forgive us where we've not been serious students of your word. We want to do better. Help us, God, with your grace. You can put your hands down. There may be here, one here today that you're seeking out this whole Jesus thing. And when I mention the story about Nikki, his father, and the verse, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, all of a sudden you felt a spark in your heart. It was almost like a fire lit up, and you've never called upon God to save you. You've been in church. Some of you may have walked an aisle or been baptized, but you've never truly given your life to Jesus. If that's you, right where you're at, I just want you to raise your hand. No one looking around. If you've never given your life to Jesus and want to give his life today, give your life today. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Just slip up your hand. If that's you today, I want you to call upon the name of Jesus to say, Jesus, I need you to save me. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross and rose again. I believe the gospel. But Jesus, today I receive what you did for me. You died in my place. You died for me and I receive it. And Jesus asked that you would forgive me of my sins. I choose to turn from them and turn to you. Father, thank you. Like a fire, may your word blaze brightly in us. Like a hammer, may your word keep our hearts tender and responsive. And like a light, guide each step we take. In Jesus' name and all God's children said, Amen.